Hey there, my name is Hugo Prince. I'm the host of the Road to the IPO, the podcast of Entrepreneur Aguirre. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I also want to let you know that the podcast Road to the IPO is not available in all the other platforms. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and please, please rate the podcast on iTunes, leave a comment, a comment, let me know if it's good, and thank you. Let's start the show. Welcome to the vlog and podcast. Today we are here with James Stefan Yusitchuk. Boom. Pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So, James, uh, we are with uh, Antoine from the Antoine Rodi Show and myself, Hugo Prince from the Road to the IPO. Today's podcast is in English, so we have a great guest. And it's James. James, so for, for those that don't know you, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, I've uh, become one of the top Facebook advertising experts in Canada. I'm the founder and president of GSU Solutions. We are a digital marketing ad tech company, okay. and uh, we've developed a uh, a software platform that allows us to generate a lot of leads for enterprise level clients at a reduced cost month per month. Cool. So before we go and uh, talk about the uh, social media and mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, I want to talk about your childhood. Mm -hmm. So Atwan has some questions really that he wants to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. So how was your childhood, especially when you had to fight cancer? Um, it was a little tough. I mean, when I was two, I was diagnosed with a Wilms tumor on my one of my kidneys i always forget which one right so <laughs> if i ever say the left and it's the right my right kicks me and if it's the left well the left kicks me um it was tough because when you're at that age you remember more uh sensations and feelings yes. uh, that you're surrounded yes. with so i remember a lot of grief i remember a lot of um like my parents were uh, constantly worried they would look at their child and afraid like would he make yes. his next birthday <laughs> like what, what would he do uh, when he's growing up, is he going to be okay? Is he going to have a normal life? And so I remember a lot of that fear and that anxiety okay. more than, than the actual symptoms. I lost my hair four times. Okay. I had uh, 18, uh, 18 rounds of chemo and radiation. Wow. I had multiple okay. surgeries. I lost, they removed the kidney. Okay. Um, but more, what I remember the most was uh, living it through my parents. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, the poor kids, like they must be going through so much. But really it's, it's really heartbreaking to feel powerless when you look at your parents who are looking at you. Yes. They're supposed to be the strong ones, and they are, but you know they feel sad, and you, you're trying to comprehend yeah. why. Um, and so when I grew up, I grew up in a hospital, right? Okay. And so a lot of the friends that you're supposed to make in childhood and daycare, um, mine all died, right? Like, yeah. think about it. Like, I, yeah. I had a friend who was seven years old. He was sitting right next to me in another hospital bed. And um, one night, um, there was the, his grandmother was holding him in his arms, in her arms, and um, his parents just went home to shower, and they were coming back. Okay. And at one point, I just like remember nurses screaming, saying "Cold blue, cold blue," okay. and um, the kid passed away in his grandmother's arms oh from God. a massive heart attack at seven. So, as much as I've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and privileged, I've seen a lot of death, and yeah. especially young. So that was particularly hard to grow up with, really um, a very uh, turbulent yes. and, and, and um, I wouldn't say traumatic childhood, because okay. some people have lived much worse, yes. but um, not creating those bonds of friendship that a lot of people have. Um, and that's a bit a, a taste of what it was like. It was a little, uh, a little intense. Yes. 
so wow. Yeah, sorry, a little heavy. I know. Uh, no, that's okay. That's, we really like to talk really about the person itself. So mm. this is really good because we people are gonna see this and listen to the podcast. They're gonna know more than only the entrepreneurs. So mm. That's what we want to do. And I also know that you work with foundations. And yeah, so I mean, it's uh, believe it or not, my when I had cancer, yes. it really it fueled my life, yeah. right? Um, when I was five, I was approached by this woman named Maria Reich. So she was like a super entrepreneur. She literally was this 80 year old woman who would go and just constantly raise money for this foundation of stars. And at the time, there was a telethon, which was basically you go on TV, you present a check yes. on CTV or CFCF at the time. And so there was Randy Teeman, and there was like, you know, Alouette's players okay. and, and Habs players on TV. And so Maria would always present like a million dollar check. And she's yeah. just this superstar who would go in, even if she got a parking ticket or she got pulled over for speeding and the cop was writing her a ticket, she says, listen, you can make that ticket $500 as long, if you donate uh, $250 to the foundation, I'll pay it tomorrow, you know, or something like that. She was like that and I was just like, I was blown away. And so um, she heard my story and uh, she approached me and says, how would you like to give back, right? Because I was, I had just been removed, the cancer was just removed from me. I was starting to go into remission. And she was like, well, what do you, what would you, how would you feel about actually giving back to a, a cause? Yeah. And I felt like this was the first time I actually could start taking the fight to cancer okay. rather than fighting against cancer yes. and fighting for the kids and the friends that I lost. And so I said, yes, why not? Of course, I would love to. And that was really the birth of me being an entrepreneur, being surrounded by such type A motivational people and and, and just the drive and the, the, the motivation of going in every day and working on something bigger than yourself to help help a cause, right? Yeah. And so when I was five and I was six, I, I learned about that and it's okay. So yeah. So when, when I was five and six, we really like started off uh, quickly. Like I raised the, my first thousand dollars and I would go like during lunch hour recess in school and I would sell like, you know, stuffed teddy bears and you name it, anything yeah. and everything. That was like sales, right? Yeah. And I didn't care. I was like, yo, you, 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 you have a girlfriend, right? She's seven years old. She needs this tough teddy bear. It's four bucks, four bucks, but the best four bucks you ever spend. And it's like, that was like my, that's when I like started living and that ingrained in me those those abilities and networking and connecting with people and helping and wanting to really give back and and you know it was a component of sales okay. it was a component of, of of negotiation and so you start wasting money for the foundations and that's where you develop the skills as an entrepreneur that's right it's when it's all started it was really those core skills of just doing it every day every week uh, we'd even do things on weekends just to kind of yeah. uh, to raise awareness but also to 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 generate funds and so I did that for uh, almost 12 years straight, right? Um, right up until I, I was halfway into high school. I, I raised over $30,000 um, just to, you know, keep it going. And um, that that really taught me a lot of work ethic. And it was not necessarily something that you were like, okay, I want to do this and I want to be an entrepreneur. It was just something you did because it was who you were. Yeah. And it really molded me, you know? Okay. And then my mom was in, she was an entrepreneur for 12 years. She had her own catering business. Like it was really, uh, I was always surrounded by the entrepreneurism, so uh, you know, starting and donating with the Foundation of Stars was really yeah. where where it all started for me. So, do you, do you believe that it's very important to raise money for foundations to help, like, find solutions to the diseases, cancers, and everything? Because people are watching this, and mm -hmm. sometimes they may say that, oh, we don't know if the money is going to the foundation, so I don't want to give money. But 
like just say it's really important to raise money. We yeah, of course. I mean, every foundation, you know, needs a source of revenue, yes. right? And they have corporate sponsors, but also it's events and it's it's there, there's the foundation have costs, right? But they're nonprofit for a reason, right? Yeah. They need to cover the costs of running events, yeah. and there's only so much that corporate sponsors can give. But at the same time, um, these foundations drive and if they're smart and I know like the foundation of stars they have this yeah. they'll actually show you budget allocation every year where did it go how much did it spend yeah. which vertical did it impact and so I feel like foundations that really can illustrate that they kind of erase those concerns and they just make it clear that oh okay well you know two million dollars went here eight million dollars went here and this was the logic and this okay. is how it happened so um, I would say now we're at an age where there's a lot more transparency with yeah. charities and it's really important to understand that if you donate to a cause that it you have to do it with a bit of altruism, right? Yes. You can't like really, you know, you do, you, do, you do your due diligence and your homework, but really, um, if you speak to any charity, they'll be happy to tell you where the money's going and how okay. it's being spent yeah. because they, you know, they're not there for themselves. They're there to help people who can't help themselves, right? Yeah, so we're gonna talk about your business here. Mm -hmm. So how did that get started? So it's a funny story, actually. Um, I was uh, a designer in high school and I was doing a lot of therapy design and uh, graphic design and it was, you know, I was having a lot of fun and I started uh, experimenting with uh, Twitter and it just came out, right? Ashton Kutcher was like, oh, this thing's going to be huge, you know? It's just like, yeah, I, mean, I remember he was like the first influencer, right? Um, and so I, I just started freelancing a little bit here and there and I had worked at Bombardier uh, and Sun Life in my career, right? And so I, I got a sense of the corporate world, um, but I was freelancing here and there. And then I got approached by a company in Texas and they were like, hey, what do you charge for like, you know, what you're doing? Because I was playing around with ads and it was A-B testing like okay. anybody else. And I was like, you know, it's just, it's fun. I applied for a Facebook advertising license back when that was a thing, you know. <laughs> now it's like, you know, if you're in kindergarten, you have two thumbs, you can apply for it. So it's super easy. Um, but so, so I did that and we jumped on board and they said, you know, what do you charge? I'm like, I don't know, like 200 bucks. Like I don't charge anything. Uh, I was like very naive that way, you know. And so they're like, well, we have two people that are getting paid like six figures, like, you know, 120 a year. And then your results are here and they're here. Yeah, I was like, holy smokes. And so she's like, yeah, you should probably think about an agency. And then I had a, a friend of mine, Eric Tung. He's an influencer also in Texas. He was, uh, you know, we had a Skype call and he was like, you should really like think about an agency. And yeah. I was like, really? And at that time, um, you know, I think I was 20 or okay. 21. And like the, the agency idea was so... Out there. Well, it was not just out there. It was like uh, it was taboo. Hell it was, yeah! It, it was, yeah, it was like the the El Dorado. You know, <laughs> like it doesn't exist. And if it did exist, well, you you're just not established enough to ever get there. So um, because there was like all these hurdles okay. of like, okay, well, there's so many other agencies, and how are you gonna get your money, and how are you gonna get clients, like the whole thing. That was around 2009, 10. Yeah, it was around. Uh, what do we? Have? It was 2010, I think. Yeah, yeah. that was the time. Just a small break to let you know that Road to the IPO has finally some sponsor. Two CM and Parnay Sync, an accounting firm. Eve and Ali, one of my dearest friends, and they're very good accountants. They, they have helped me a lot in my accounting. As an entrepreneur, freelancers, even people that have 95 jobs, you need very good accounting. So that's why I recommend them to CM and Parnay Sync. So they're based in Montreal. So if you are from Montreal and you listen to the podcast right now, you can give them a call or go to the website that I will put on the description. I will put the link on the description. 
So if you tell them that you listen to the podcast, they will give you a free consultation. Yes, a free consultation. So give them a call right now at 514-318-3711. 514-318-3711 and let them know that you listen to the Road to the IPO. So let's get back to the show. And so when, when I started this, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it anyway. I have nothing to lose. Yeah. I, I was... Uh, I had just started uh, college, I think, at the time, and so I was just like, let's play around. Okay. Um, I eventually got my psychology degree, and I was like, okay, like I can actually apply this okay. to what I'm doing every day and merge this with ads and, and really get something going. Um, so I started a team of one. I was in my basement. I was just like, <laughs> every, other, every great story starts in a basement somewhere, right? So I was just doing ads, and I was working uh, part-time for another company, okay. and they said... Uh, yeah, we're paying you, let's say, you know, whatever it was, you know, two thousand dollars a month, and I was like, yeah, well, now I have a roster of six clients, and they're all paying me two thousand dollars a month. So unless you can kind of like mm-hmm. up it, like I have to leave, and that's yes. kind of how it all started. And then, you know, fast forward what seven years? Yes. Now we're at a point where um, we have a very healthy roster of you know thirty-five clients. Okay. And I would say four years ago. What we did was we took the principles of psychology and design okay. and content and storytelling and we realized that there is a way to streamline uh, what it is people see, how often they see it and if they like it. Okay. So we created something called the conversion matrix, which is the software I was alluding to. Okay. And what it does is it creates um, buyer persona specific. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm person A, person B, person C each person responds to something different. Okay, they that Yeah, it, exactly. One could be a parent, one okay. could be a single mom, and one could be a high-end executive. Okay. They all want to see different content and, 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 and they'll react to it differently. Yes. And so it creates these little micro ecosystems for them to experience content and based off of their behavior, we show them another piece of content and another and another and another okay. until we feel or we see the data and it tells us they're ready to buy. Okay. And then we show them a call to action that says, here you go. Uh, you know, this is the brand you've been following for two weeks. Uh, here's a call to action to buy a ticket for an event, or okay. buy a ticket for software, or uh, I don't know, uh, register your kid for kindergarten, or whatever the objective okay. is. And so ever since we did that, like my business blew up. Wow. Yeah, because that was now you're getting to advertising technology. Now you're getting into like the enterprise level clients okay. that are really the, the, the you know the Kellogg's and the the Fruit Loops yes. and the you know the, the high end brands of the world and this is stuff that really nobody had thought of before, yeah. which was cool. There are other automation softwares out there, but this was a unique approach. And um, it kind of just cemented my my reputation, right? Yeah. I got featured on Hootsuite. I got featured on Ad Espresso. Okay. Um, I went to London for a couple of uh, clients, conference, and they were all just wanting to know how it worked. Okay. Know, how, does, how, how can you do it? They wanted to see you know, what it did, they want to see case studies. When I showed it to them, they're like, we have to put you in front of our, you know, 50,000 plus customers. Okay. And so they put me next to Neil Schaefer, um, John Loomer and Mari Smith, which okay. are like the top, top, top Facebook ad experts in the world. Yeah. And um, the workshop slash conference I gave was, had the most engagement period. So that's how you became the top ad expert in Canada. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, that plus I've just been doing it the probably the longest. The longest, exactly. the longest. okay, yeah. Because there was, I think there's one other uh, buddy of mine, Dan Morris, I think, or, or Derek, 
Doing something, I can't remember. He's gonna kill me if he sees me. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna totally kill me. Uh, he's in Vancouver. Okay. And, uh, we started maybe a year, like I started a year before him. And um, apart from that, there were really no ad specialists, right? There was really just the Maori Smith, the John Loomer, those two, three anchors in the industry. And apart from that, nothing. So for people that are watching this and listening to this podcast, so your company is GSU Solution. Huh? Mm -hmm. So maybe they want to know where they can uh, contact you, any platform are you on? And yeah, I mean, uh, the, 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 uh, people are really close to me. They know to text me, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's no other way to reach me. You, you guys definitely know that. I, I know we know, yeah. Yeah, call, I tried to call, email, it's <laughs> not happening. Um, the best way to reach me, I guess, uh, if you don't know who I am, is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Like, I'm a Facebook ads guy. I am obsessed with LinkedIn. Okay. I love it so much. My, like we get a lot of our leads that come through there. A lot of our, I just love the content. I love the people. There. Yes. Um, so LinkedIn is a great place okay. to connect with me. Um, you can check out our website, jscsolutions.com. Cool. Or you can, uh, I would say, you know, just you know, hook me up, hook up with me on Facebook and uh, Instagram. I'm on Instagram, so we have our, our company account, JSC Solutions, and we have mine, which is JUSUCHO. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I post a lot of you know whiteboard stuff and a lot of like you know little entrepreneur okay yeah. but apart from that it's uh you know, cool. it's, it's a little bit more personal so we are going to put all the links you can contact uh, james and you were talking about the whiteboard because you also know as an entrepreneur but also as educator and yeah. we see on the background there's the, the whiteboard there it is so <laughs> the famous whiteboard so so why did you decide to really start doing that the, the so whiteboard? um I've been kind of obsessed with this idea of giving value, right? And I hate the word value because it's such a freaking... Broad term. It's a okay. broad buzzword that nobody understands what it is. And I hate this because a lot of people say value and then they, you know, they kind of hide it with like a, a link to buy something. Right? Yeah. So it's, really, it's like, it's kind of like a double backhand slap. So what I said was the best way for me, the best way to get leads or the best okay. way just to, to do anything is just to help people with zero expectation. Okay. Just want to help and, and, and share. And if you share, that kind of uh, altruism really creates an impact change. And if you're the one impacting change, okay. even if those people never reach out to you, that's okay. Because what I found is that this secondary ripple effect that happens yeah. always comes back in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. 10x. Cause and effect. Always, 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 always. So um, there was one day I was with my, my good friend uh, Jesse Ostroff, who yeah. is, does biz dev for us, but also is my in house videographer. Okay. More of like an artist, but whatever. <laughs> um, he, we were going through like all these different videos we were doing for another startup we have, and then I was like, you know what? I really want to find a way to help people because people would just come into my office, yeah. and I would just do the whiteboard thing, and I that was it. You know, just like okay. good luck, off you go, free consultation. I'm happy to do it. And I was like, there has to be a one-to-many model where I can help more people. <laughs> In comes the whiteboard. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just gonna put this on LinkedIn and see what happens. And I put a question out there saying. If you want me to talk about your industry, anything, tell me what it is. I will workshop a strategy for you. And if it works, and, and or if you run with it, go for it. Just let me know, you know, how much you like okay. it, or, or that's fine. And so I did one video, and one video became fifteen videos. And okay. It's like holy smoke. So funny enough, I did the challenge of if you give me these many topics before this date, I'll do them all by the end of August. So I did them all, I just need to edit them all, right? So yeah. like, where are the videos? You're such a liar. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, well, ching, do you know how long these things take to edit? I know, so, I know. I on video six, I think, and I was like, okay. you're such a I'm like, no. So I showed them my list. I'm like, look, you're number seven, you're number 12, like, uh, yeah, dude, it's yeah, done. It's, it's just, just the edit. Yeah, yeah, and also the LinkedIn algorithm, like, how much video do you think I can post in one day? Like, yeah. it's, just, like it's not, like, feasible. So um, that was the challenge that got me all this traction of people saying, you, you know, you do, you're the whiteboard guy. I actually had a guy who stopped me on the, the on the street the other day. I was walking no down. Way. No way. No way for real? He's like, I know you. I was <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do the, those, those whiteboard things on LinkedIn. I was like, oh my God, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Weird. Says, yeah, I'm friends with Jamie. I'm like, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, congratulations on your nomination. I'm like, Thanks. He knew before I did. That was the weird part. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what nomination? Then I went to, uh, uh, there was this barbecue. Yeah, so I went to this barbecue with with Jamie and, and, and Dr. Back yeah. and, and Yan, and it was at the Karanta Car- uh, Group's uh, um, suit shop. Yes. And uh, Jamie's like, yeah, by the way, uh, you've been nominated. I was like, did you check your email? Like, For real? I didn't know email, but someone else told me. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how, but yeah, that's great. So it's just one of these, you know, weird things where I just, I started doing the whiteboard videos just to try and help people and just democratize the yeah. information that I know and strategies I know because they're just, you know, I've done them and they're sitting on my shelf. Yeah. And I felt, you know, if I can give it and it works, power to the people. And that's the that's the way you should help. I feel entrepreneur people, entrepreneurs yes. should really support each other. And just case in point with, you know, with Influence United yeah. and with uh, even with the Foundation of Stars, the Reach for the Stars event I did yes. and for, um, for the LinkedIn Town Hall Awards, that was really the beginning of the unification of the entrepreneur community, community in yeah, Montreal. Montreal. So I feel it's something you have to foster and take care of. And even, you know, what Beryl did, mm-hmm. um, you know, or you guys did, uh, was I think, Grow Rich? You Grow so Rich, This is yeah. all these these little micro-events that we not... Before this year, did we see any of these? No, no. No, now, like, no. boom. Boom, yeah. yeah. You know? So I think it's super important, even if it's just a whiteboard video. Help, help, help. Yeah. And really... So I, had a, I had a question about that. Yeah. How, how was the entrepreneurial community a few years ago? Honestly, I felt it was barren. Like they were, they were entrepreneurs, but they were very um, corporate. Co- or they were not corporate, just like introverted. Like you know, okay. oh, I got to protect myself. Mm-hmm. You're gonna screw me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I just yeah. trying to find people that I could relate with. Not yeah. necessarily have a mentor. I don't. I, I've never really looked for a mentor, okay. but just connect with people. You know, and then it was just like. It kind of sucks because we were at WeWork for a while, and uh, this is when our business was really taking off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we were at like a, an office of 15 people paying almost $20,000 of rent. That's, uh, <laughs> um, that was like brutal. But, um, you know, when we were there, and, you know, there was there's some people that I'm dear, still dear friends with. Okay. Um, we were like really connected with, but, you know, there was a lot of just, you know, afraid and, and a lot of silos. Yes. People wanting to be on their own. I'm yeah. just like, it's unfortunate because... Montreal is a very small city when you boil it down, right? Yeah. Like, if you can tell you, if I call, just the other day, I was with um, a colleague of mine, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, opening up a business together. Yeah. And we were just sharing notes about what we did last weekend. He's like, oh, I know that guy. I'm like, really? I know that guy. <laughs> oh, that guy, well, he did, you know, he did the teeth for my son. I was like, oh, yeah, well, he, this guy, oh, this guy just, like, did, like, hair transfer. We're like, no way, that was, like, the, the degrees of separation in Montreal are so small and so yes, few yes. that I think you have no choice but to, to start, you know, rallying around becoming more of a unified community. Yeah. So I would say three years ago it wasn't really there okay. because there was such a, 
uh, a retracted kind of mentality. Yeah. Now it's far more open. Far, Maybe it's because of social media. Yeah. It's well, it's possible, but I think it's also the catalyst, like the Jamies and the yeah. barrels yeah. of the world. You, yeah. you have people starting to take the baton, or mm-hmm. even the Terry Lindors, where they're starting to galvanize yeah. the group yeah. and say, like, okay, let's wake up. Exactly, let's do something together. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't like we're here. Just, so. Exactly, and so now people are starting to rally. Right, you have the mob mentality. Once you have one, you have a hundred. Yes. So I think that now that we have those three pillars, it's really starting to take shape. So before we go and talk about social media, because that's your expertise, I just want to talk about, because I saw on LinkedIn, because you're talking about Montreal, but the, the white world just affects somebody international. I think it was on WhatsApp. A guy, he, he called you, he contacted you on WhatsApp. Yeah. He said, I saw wow, your videos. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I want to know that. Okay. Because it wasn't in Montreal, it's, it came from another country. Yeah, so it was, it was from Portugal. So, Portugal, um, yeah. Again, I, I don't remember his name. I'll, uh, <laughs> he's going to kill me if you see I, I'll put his name in the, in the link below, but, uh, okay. or I'll give you the guy the, the link to the profile. But So I was at a, a doctor's appointment, and I had posted a whiteboard video for, I think it was like how to grow, um, it's like how to grow organically with like influencers or something. Yeah. And he reached out to me, and he said, uh, I just finished watching your workshop on Hootsuite, and then I saw your whiteboard video. Yeah. And I need your help so bad. And it says, I'm a startup. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to finalize investment for my business. And it was like in the medical space. Okay. I don't know what to do. I need these doctors and these patients to use it. And it's not happening. So I was like, okay, what's going on? So he started telling me all the analytics of his ads. And I was like, okay, call me. So he called me on WhatsApp. Okay. And I was at my doctor's office waiting my turn. I was like, sorry, I just started pacing down the hallway <laughs> like a crazy person. This is what I do, right? When I'm on the phone, I pace like crazy. Okay. I do like eight to 10 kilometers just in pacing. <laughs> so uh, I was talking to them and I was like, well, have you tried this? It's like, no. And it starts feverishly taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. I'm like, okay, try doing an exclusion audience. Try doing this. Yeah. Maybe look at doing a different positioning. It sounds like these are your problems. And he was like, you are the only person in this world that actually paid attention to me and said, I will help you. And I cannot thank you enough. You probably just saved my startup. That's the power of social media. Oh yeah, like it, 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 so someone liked my because he wasn't connected with me, yeah. right? Someone liked my post, and he came from the Hootsuite community, and he just mm-hmm. it converged. And he was like, I need to reach out. And so he reached out to me straight up through LinkedIn, and then boom, added me on WhatsApp, yeah. and then we had a call within 20 minutes, and I gave him all the information he could possibly need to turn it around and get his investments in order and get his 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 leads in order and all that kind of stuff. And that took me a while. Not even half an hour to help somebody. I mean, for me, that was the whole point. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was a surreal experience. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, so I saw that. I, and I was like, oh. I had something else happen to me recently. So um, another person yeah. was part of this startup community that we have called JSYU. Yeah. He's been following my videos since February. And he said, you've kind of changed my life, mm-hmm. changed the way I think about marketing, Facebook, business, psychology. Um, I need to meet you. The guy's from Tennessee. Okay. So on October 17th, he's flying over. And uh, he's going to be shadowing us for three days yeah. wow. just because of that. Yeah, it blew my mind. I was like, yeah. you know, the guy's name, you know, our good friend, his name is James Doherty, and he's, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, like, that's just the power of, like, how much you can impact someone yeah. just to try to give value. It's like the same for Antoine. He has a lot of clients that come from USC mm-hmm. because of, of Facebook and everything. Mm-hmm. It's not only Montreal. You can, like, like what happened with you, mm-hmm. Portugal, other countries, and people can see your content. And talking about counting, mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about Facebook. And I want to know organic or ads, what's the best, what's the best uh, 
way to research people. Yeah, so it, it, I can say it, it's very contextual. It okay. depends on who yeah. you're trying to reach or what you want to do. Okay. Organic, um, we have one client right now who uh, we started with three months ago. Okay. And the organic is killing it. They okay. regularly get 200% organic reach without ads. So like through, and the average <laughs> is like 6%. Right? Okay. Um, but they have a viral community. They have a very unique product. Um, so we're able to mix that with ads and get them 2,000% organic or 2,000% reach, which is monster, right? They're doubling in size every month. Okay. Um, but the reality is you should do both. And I'll both. tell you why. Organic is important for the people that are there. You're still paying attention to the audience you have and you're trying to focus on engagement, getting them to say something, comment, because if they're not commenting, realistically, even if they saw, think about it, even if you have a thousand likes on your page yeah. and you have a hundred percent of the people that see it and they see it three times, what is that quality of that scene rate that they have okay. that they have done, right? Will they remember it in three days? Yeah. Will they remember it in six days? Will they remember it in a week? If they've seen five pieces of content, do they remember any of it? Versus if they're actually acting, if they're engaging, they're commenting, mm -hmm. that is true value, right? Okay. That is the true measurability of, okay, organic is working because, you know, I have comments, I have likes, yeah. I'm sure they're liking it, right? Okay. Think about the 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 digital behavior behind why they're doing what they're doing. Okay. Um, so that's organic. So it's very important to really focus on engagement and okay. getting people to you know, listen to them, give them what they want, but also uh, understand their behavior from a from a okay. analytics standpoint. And then ads are extremely important for attracting new people, right? So yeah. people who don't have big budgets can try and do like you know a bit of um, you know, micro influencer targeting where you're you know pulling in 15 people who have networks of leads that you're trying to get, mm -hmm. and then you know, redirect them to, you know, an offer or a giveaway or something. But at the same time with ads, you can really be hyper-specific. You can go after people that drive a car, have a, you know, a kid who's the age of three to five. Yeah. And, and like, you can really target Exactly. Hyper, yeah. And then you can go into even location. I can target people exclusively in Westmount with this criteria. Okay. I can target business owners just by finding people who have Facebook or, or Facebook page admins, right? Because if yeah. you're a Facebook page admin, you're either... It's either a nonprofit or it's either a business page or it's okay. either like, you know, there's, there's some kind of transactional business happening, right? Um, so it's important to think of both both, both uh, ads and organic. Okay. Organic for the people that are there and the people you're trying to engage and warm up and get them to know your brand, but ads to attract the new ones. Right? Okay. We have some people that don't want to hear anything about organic, they just want to go hard on ads. That's okay too, but it's expensive, right? Yeah. Like we have some people that spend like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars and it's like that's their that's their choice. Those are their, their marketing objectives are different. Their their key performance indicators are different. Maybe it's only ad driven that's important. Okay. But for the most the majority of people, it's eighty five percent organic and, and and paid are the way to go. Yeah. Cool. What's the what's the ROI of jumping t right away towards ads? Well, it's it's relative to the business. It's relative to how much they're spending. It's relative to what what the like what's their ticket item value, right? So, uh, I'll give you an example with like with, with what we do with the conversion matrix. We need a minimum of, let's say, eight to ten touch points, which means uh, I need to see the brand, the content, different pieces of content, ten times, right, before I can ask for a buy. Mm -hmm. So that can mean that to get to those ten points, I spend 500 bucks, and then by the time I get to point 11, and they buy, well, the selling point, the, the, the item I'm selling is $10,000. So the ROI is very, very good. Mm -hmm. But if it's ten points, and I'm selling a 599 keychain, it's terrible. Okay. That's why it's, it's, it's always relative, right? Yeah. Usually with low ticket items, you need two touch points, one to two. Um, sometimes you can go very direct, but then you're, keep in mind, there's a lot of noise in the ad space, right? Okay, Facebook yes, yeah. is extremely saturated with ads. Is it because it's underpriced? 
it's, it's not that it's under it's still cheap but it's getting more expensive every yes, year yeah. so last year I think uh, I'm going to double check my stats here but I believe the cost on the ads just it went up by almost 40% my god yeah yeah, like it, 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 astronomical so we went from let's say a cost per click or yeah. a cost per lead of $6 went up to like nine fifty. Wow. just because less people are, were spending time on Facebook they were dif- they were being displaced not removed displaced so more on Instagram yeah. more on Snapchat or, or, or more on well, not really on Twitter but like you know just displaced and the amount of advertisers almost doubled doubled yeah right which doesn't mean advertisers me it just means people were buying ads it could be big brands it could be in-house teams whatever so with that in mind keep in mind that the saturation is so high okay. you need to kind of break through the noise and, and create something that will make you stand out and the best way to do that yeah. that is cost effective is to create an experience or create some very clear story or something that will create empathy and okay. kind of like a commotional connection with the brand and the customer. When you do that, well, then they retain, then they remember, and then they can follow you. And when you do that and you retarget them, the cost to get them on the second time is usually dropped. It's chopped in half. So let's say from a first standpoint, if I go straight to ads and to get a sale, it costs me $100. Well, if I do that... The technique of creating empathy yeah. and creating those emotions, the, the retargeting, it'll cost. 50. Just a small break to let you know that World Today IPO has finally some sponsor. Two CM and Pony Sync, an accounting firm. Eve and Ali, one of my dearest friends, and they're very good accountants. They, they have helped me a lot in my accounting. As an entrepreneur, freelancer, even people that have 95 jobs, you need very good accounting. So that's why I recommend them. 2CM and Partner Sync. So they're based in Montreal. So if you are from Montreal and you listen to the podcast right now, you can give them a call or go to the website that I will put on the description. I will put the link on the description. So if you tell them that you listen to the podcast, they will give you a free consultation. Yes, a free consultation. So give them a call right now at 514-318-3711. 514-318-3711. One eight three seven eleven, and let them know that you listen to the road to the IPO. So let's get back to the show. So you pe- you get people with emotions now. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The psychology is absolutely intrinsic and and just embedded in everything we do on social. If you look at all the reactions, all the changes that are being made, it's always because it revolves around emotion, right? So if you think about the net sentiments that are expressed on every social media yeah. platform. I think YouTube and Reddit are the two that are just, they're the only social media platforms that are positively, uh, they have a positive sentiment score, which means okay. natively people are just happy to be there. Yeah. And Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're, they're all largely negative. They're unhappy, they're pissed before they see anything. So <laughs> okay. if you think about it, if you think about it, if I can create a positive experience, they like what they see and there's positive emotion, yeah. boom, you have a formula on that Facebook, will actually yeah. work to generate a lower cost per lead. Cool. Yeah. So we, you were talking about people are going to another, another platforms. Let's talk a little bit uh, about Instagram, specifically about influencers. Mm-hmm. How can you co- collaborate with them? Because right now is the trend, influencers this, influencers that. So how can we collaborate with them? Maybe there is a businessman here, business owner that wants to know, how can I get them on my, on my business? How can I collaborate with them? Well, there's a couple of ways, right? First is how to find them. So yeah. To yeah. find them, you can buy a tool or access the database like Upfluence, Refluence. Uh, there's tons of them, right? But they're extremely expensive. Yeah. Like just to have access to these these platforms, it's like five thousand dollars a month with a minimum one year commitment. Okay. I have tried them. I find they're 
not for me. <laughs> like yeah. very, very like politely not for me because okay. I think I could do a better job just creating my own list. Yeah. Um, so then the next thing is, well, I would need to understand what my niche is and who I'm trying to reach. And then I would understand, uh, I would look through hashtags, I would look through geolocations, okay. and I would look through accounts that I like, who are they tagging regularly, who is engaging regularly. Okay. Right? The next thing I would do is I would analyze what defines an influencer, right? Because yeah. I find influencers are a very dirty word. Okay. I find it's like, how do you measure influence? Is that based because of engagement rate? Because engagement rate can be doctored, right? Yeah. It could be yeah. purchased. It could be it could be forged. Okay. So it's really about doing your due diligence, your homework, looking at the comments. There's every comment paid for Fiverr saying, oh, nice, uh, DM me for like collaborate. Yeah. That's not engagement. That's a, robot. That's a robot. That's crap. It's not a true influencer. Okay. So understanding that people who are engaging are commenting and leaving genuine feedback genuine mm -hmm. happiness or whatnot those are the ones you want so i'll give you an example we did an, an, um, an analysis of our one client uh, yes i think it was 150 um, celebrity national international macro micro nano influencers which okay. are basically all different classifications of the influencer size okay. and where they are yeah it's crazy wow. so we, we analyzed these and we, we also attribute a price tag to it so like a joke of it, right? Tennis player, let's say it costs 700k just to get a post okay. done with him, right? Because he's got following, he's got brand. So that was like the first thing. Then you have like the international, which could be like a Gary V. Yeah. Gary V, like he's like also a celebrity, but like, mm -hmm. you know, it would probably cost like 50k, right? Okay. And then you have like a, um, a national, which could be like a I don't know, like a Jay Baruchel, right? Okay. Or, or, or um, I don't know, like a local Montreal Canadiens player. Like he would be very well recognized in Canada. Maybe it's twenty k to okay. work with them, right? Like there's all these pricing guidelines that you can always. Is find. that like a one-time fee or? Usually it's per post or per campaign, okay. right? Some of them say, okay, I'll do three posts. So yeah. I'll, I'll do a story. Okay. Uh, I've met some influencers who have like eight million followers, and mm -hmm. they'll charge fifteen hundred dollars. But that's just because they don't understand the value. Yeah, they don't understand the to, value. Or yeah. they're trying to fake it and they know it, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't want to charge you too much because they know you'll be pissed. But so it's, it's a catchway too. But to collaborate yeah. with them is to, to identify them first, identify what, you know, the, the true engagement okay. that, that is on their, pay, on their account and know that on Instagram, anything above a 3% engagement rate is very good. And then from there say, you know, you reach out to them saying, hey, I want to collaborate with you. I have these products. It has to match their audience. Yes, it has to match the audience. You have no choice, right? Or else it's just there's a square peg round hole and the audience won't engage. So it's not just that even if they say yes, if it doesn't line up with their audience, it won't work for you. Okay. So that's yeah. important to understand that overlap and how to make it all kind of mesh together. But then from there, you you know discuss terms. You do revenue share percentage of whatever do you do uh transactions so it's it's and some people transaction is cheaper than revenue share yeah. right um do you do uh barter you know understand like what your assets are now you can leverage them and then from there uh you, you start making campaigns i would give the influencer a giveaway item to give to his audience yes. not just a, do, a coupon code or a discount because their audience usually love to you know get free stuff and they're happy to give their audience free stuff because that'll increase their own growth, right? So it's a win-win. Um, so to engage them that way is extremely important. But keep in mind, like if I'm a local bar and I go after Carrie Price, well, Carrie Price really only applies to Montreal. Yeah. If I go to a local hotel and I only go after Gary Vaynerchuk, well, that's a misplaced influence yes, because yes. it's too big for the brand you have and you'll really, you won't get what you're looking okay. for. Um, so it really comes down to identify, uh, validate, and then negotiate yeah. and then execute. So on the influencer side, does he need to develop or business skills? Because I'm, I'm seeing like, they're gonna start, a lot of companies are gonna go and see them 
and most of them are just kids they don't have any business skills yeah transactions or revenues so they should start yeah getting like a salesman or something like that to yeah. get business skills I, I think it's as much they should be aware yeah and, and educate themselves but it's, i think it's also an opportunity okay because there are just too many influencers out there that you would really need to start es- like establishing a culture of if you want to be an influencer this is where you go like yeah. the influencer academy or something right yeah right now True. i don't think that exists and if okay. it does well that's you know, a lot of money there you go but <laughs> but can you imagine for the influencer academy that if yeah. you can educate the influencer and if they, yeah. it's too complicated manage it for them and do yeah. it for them yeah like, right yeah and they can just take a transaction fee plus yeah. like a retainer just for being part that's a huge business model that 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 no is, one is going nobody's doing it but also these guys they just think about it they're influencers because they love what they do and they're passionate about it. they don't want to think about anything else, yes right? true. So it's also the same yeah. thing with any business owner yeah i just want to focus on my stuff yeah and the moment i deviate and i have to think about it it's not fun anymore yeah and it becomes it becomes very transactional and then you lose the passion, you lose the engagement, you lose the purpose, and it's over. So if someone can, you know, this is literally like a little nugget here, but like if someone can create that. Someone is listening to this podcast. You're like, okay, James, I'm, yeah, I'm listening to you, you Pleasure Academy. Yeah, but it's a million dollar idea, though. It's like a million dollar weekly idea. Maybe. Yeah. But, but think about it. There's like, you know, the, the amount of influencers that are created per year, like almost double. Yeah. Every university student, every college, high school student, kids that are 12, 13 yeah. that are becoming influencers because yeah. they can build Lego faster than anybody or they can, you know, e-commerce, e-commerce drop right. shipping. Yep. I, met a, I met a kid, he'd been drop shipping since he was 12. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he's 18 now and he made like $8 friend, million. Dollars. We have a like, friend that spoke at the event, Charles Heckman, and yeah. he started when he was 15. But I wish I was doing that there when I was go. 15. Yeah. yeah, I know Charles. He does like, Facebook bots and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So he was, he was uh, him and I was together the other day. He was like, yeah, I did, uh, I was selling like video game stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah or, Zelda, or, yeah. I was like, <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I mean, I was selling like my therapeutic art as a canvas, but whatever. You know, like it's, it, it, but all of these things are just, we're at an age now where yeah. everything is monetizable. Yes. And the accessibility of social media and diffusing your message and getting customers, it's at an all time high of how easy yes. it is to do it, right? So it's, it's, it becomes like even when YouTube, think about when YouTube was launched and yeah. people were like, I'm going to play video games and make money. Like, that was a thing. Yeah. You can make $50,000 a year True. just playing Mario Kart. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, well, I have views of this, that, you don't have to do anything else. That culture is just multiplied by a factor of 100 because of the way Pinterest works, because of the, now Instagram has like buy, buy now button. Buy now, like, yeah. Like there's so many little tools that make it so accessible. Why wouldn't you, right? So I yeah. think, yeah, to, to a certain point, there needs to be some kind of foundational business yes. skills that are, that are introduced. But at the same time, like I said, some people just aren't business inclined. Some people get it taken advantage of or okay. manipulated. So there's an opportunity to standardize it and make it so that every influencer can go through this. And no matter what, it'll always, uh, you know, it'll always be done properly and uh, they don't have to worry about it. Cool. So I have a final question. Go ahead. What's the future of social media when you know that AI is coming up soon? Yeah, virtual reality. Social media yeah so I mean I think with AI that could be on the part of like maybe regulation and or you know big data analysis um, the best thing about AI is that it learns and it grows so the yeah. more that you can have uh, your ads kind of learn on themselves and grow and develop into better things which is basically one of the big elements we have in our conversion matrix we've been doing it for four years and that that AI really you know, is the creme de la creme, right? Okay. It's like, it's like what makes the, the straw that stirs the drink, right? Um, so AI is already very much in social okay. media and it's kind of growing every year. And all it's been doing is enhancing your own experience on social media because okay. ultimately they want to keep you on every platform yeah. as long as possible. Yeah. Um, for virtual reality, I think we're getting very close to 
it being very easy to integrate. I think what will be a step above that is augmented reality. Yes. Because virtual implies tech, it implies wearables. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a high degree of resistance just because not everybody's going to want to buy. You're okay. going to have hardcore gamers, you can have the techies, but you're not going to have the mom and dads or the everydays. But the augmented reality could be you hold your phone and there's a Facebook ad and it says, well, you know, if you hold your phone against that thing and you watch an ad uh, is projected onto your wall and then voila, it's an Ikea commercial that shows you a chair that you can yeah. buy right now. Okay. That is next level. That is like engagement and experience-based marketing that is yeah. projected into your real, in your real environment. Oh, I, that think. Would, yeah. I think that that's the next thing and holograms I think will come very soon. Okay. So I saw something at Starfest where they had their phone mm -hmm. and they were like in a, in a store and you go like this, and you can see like the price tag yeah. on his phone, and just like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Well, so. you know, there's boutique hotels. Like, if you go there, and you, you know, you like the couch you're sitting on, you just you you open up their app, you just you you hold the phone uh, over the couch, and it says, "Whoop, this you can get this sweat suit for like seven ninety nine. And then do you want to buy it now and have it shipped to your house so it's there when you get there? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, like, this all already has existed for a while, yeah. but I think it's just integrating into social. Uh, is the next step, yeah. right? So you, you're you're kind of seeing a little bit of it now with Instagram influencers. You know, like a lot of bikini, yeah. uh, you know, or a lot of like, yeah, like a lot of apparel stuff, yeah. you know, shoes, like they're wearing, they're running, you know, or they have these mm -hmm. videos where, or it's a cinemagraph or something. And you see like the products are highlighted, can be purchased within the actual ad placement itself or within the actual video yeah. or the, the image. And I think that's in a sense, a micro version of augmented reality. And I think it's just going to get more and more um, uh, immersed with our own, uh, with our own perspective. And we're going to start to see the blurred lines of the two where now you know if, if I like some what someone's wearing I'm gonna have an app that I'll just pull up and uh, poof take a picture yeah. of their shoes and then voila I have the the, the information where, where it came from do I want to order on Amazon do I want it tomorrow with Prime right like I give an example my girlfriend she was um, looking at uh, uh, these pair of shoes that this person had in Barcelona and she's like oh I love them where are they from I spent like you know five minutes just to try and find them found them <laughs> in the store boom 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 done um, but imagine if you get an app that just said, I love your shoes, can I take a picture? Yeah. Okay, boom. Oh, it's at this place and it's yeah. five minutes away from you by, by, by car, by cab or 20 minute walk. And actually, if you want it delivered to your house, well, there's so much it costs. And it's like, like all these things can yeah. be automated yeah. and, and, and facilitated very easily with now apps and with, with you know, the way uh, you can just integrate with, with, with your everyday objects. Yeah. And I think that's the it's, next step. It's the online, offline, offline connection, the online, offline. Yeah, I mean, it's also a bit of the Internet of Things, too. Mm -hmm. Like, now you have smart homes and you have, like, fridges that can tell you, hey, you're low on milk. I'm going to order you some milk. I'm like, thank you, fridge check, you know. But you know, all of these things are, are slowly coming together. Okay. And it's really, there's one common theme, speed. Speed, yes. speed, 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 speed. Almost immediacy. So I think, you know, until we get to that point where it's just, We think it and it's yeah. there. Um, I think that's eventually where we're going. Cool. Hey, it was a great podcast. Uh, it's so over? Yes. Wow, wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, we like scattered, but really appreciate your time. Oh, and Anton too. It was a great podcast, a lot of fun, a lot of information. I hope you guys like it. So we are going to put all the links. You can contact James. And this is it for the Road to Die PO and Antoine Rolly Show. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Take care.